0: Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead.
1: Hello again and welcome once more to yet another thrilling adventure in the serial Max Mike movies. The show that asks the question, how much? This week we're continuing with our series, Then and Now, also known as, what, this again? Again? No, wait. We're not. <laughs> See, this is the embarrassing part. I really have to apologize for this, folks, because uh, I normally we normally write introductions. Mike is very good about doing it. I less so, especially this week. I just completely blanked on writing an introduction. This wait, is wait, wait, in fact, wait, wait. This is usually the part where I apologize for
0: something. <laughs> are we saying that this week you are going to apologize for something? Yes, we
1: are. And here Yay! I go. <laughs> Well, it's about time, you know, you've made so many, many, (laughs) many mistakes. It's about time I made one. I mean, really, just to make you feel better. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is, in fact, a different series. This is our series. I keep meaning to watch that, where each of us, each week, chooses a film that we've been meaning to see, we've always wanted to see, or thought about seeing, and just for whatever reason, haven't. It's kind of like writing
0: an opening. It's that
1: thing you just keep meaning to do, but somehow didn't. Yes, yes, with my (laughs) terrible habit of having failed on that once. i'm sorry uh, people don't know but we started recording and we hit the button and max is literally like oh wait yeah. i forgot that is true i'm actually looking at my notes and going there's something missing <laughs> oh the introduction well that's why we're professionals yes that's right send your money to yes this could uh, i could get it my pay doc yes but uh, let's take care of a little quick business Ooh, business as you know, you can uh, find us on our website, maxmikemovies.com. I'm there right so, now. Yep. we can You find us on the Twitter at Port Max Mike Movies and on Facebook, also at Max Mike Movies. You can email us at us at Max Mike Movies. We encourage you to do this. We've gotten some good ideas from our listeners for a series or movies to do. And uh, if you make a suggestion, they belong to us. Us! You understand? You can't have them anymore.
0: Yeah, we merchandise the heck out of them.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, We certainly do.
0: They're all going on mugs. Also, hey, you know, help us spread the news of our wonderful show and get out there Mm. by telling people. Say, hey, yeah, just just walk up to people's houses, knock on their doors and say, hey, you know, you should be listening to a podcast called
1: Max Mike Movies because awesome. Yep. Stop people randomly on the street and order them to make them them take make them take out their phones and use the podcast app of their choice, either the Google podcast app or the Apple podcast app to listen to us. Yeah. Go do it now. Pause so, Pause this recording. <laughs> go out, get at least 12 people to listen to us, and then you can come back and listen. We'll wait. You said pause so you could write notes. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> so so, so th- what's the I, series
0: again? What series is
1: this? Uh, this series is I Keep Meaning to Watch That. Uh, okay. And uh, just as a reminder, I
0: am one host, Max Levine. I'm an, another host. Oh, wait, I forgot to write out my
1: name. I don't know who I am. You see, the reason that isn't funny is that actually happens. Mike Mike has his his name written on all his clothing so he can check in case he forgets who he is.
0: Well, it's useful.
1: (laughs) Yes, this week we're doing the 2000 Cameron Crowe movie Almost Famous. This was my choice. It's one of those movies I've always heard about, I've seen scenes from, I've heard it quoted, and I have never actually watched it until now. I'd actually never heard of it until you brought it up. Really? Yeah. It's, it's fairly well,
0: sorry, it was fairly well known. I think it's kind of faded out. Yeah, I mean, it was almost 20 years ago, so. Yeah. There you go. Which is, which is you know, say what you will. Although the, these yeah. days with, well, we'll get to this, but there, there's a lot of interest in, shall we say, musicians these yeah. days. Yeah. The Show. So... Um, what can you tell us about uh, Are you going to do will, plot or are you going to do will, trivia
1: No, no, I will do, I will do uh, plot first And trivia, basically this is a semi autobiographical movie By the director Cameron Crowe Not about, Russell Crowe No, no, and no relation, this is Crowe by the way With an E on the end but So is Russell Crowe No, no, he, he, he had, had, had to have The E surgically removed After he hit somebody with his phone he no longer uh, gets an E. No, it's a its a rare, most people don't know this, it's a law in New Zealand that every time you act like a complete jerk in public, you lose one letter off your last name. That's so, why they all have such long last names to start with. It's so, true. Don't check the internet about this, just believe me.
0: You know that part where Max forgot to write his notes? He didn't look yeah. this up either. Russell Crowe <laughs> does, in fact, have an E on the end of his name. No, so. no, he doesn't. But if you want to write
1: us and tell us about <laughs> Russell Crowe... <laughs> mm-hmm. So So, yes, this is about a young man who uh, represents Cameron Crowe, who uh, basically becomes, at the age of 15, a reporter for Rolling Stone and embeds himself in an up-and-coming band called Stillwater and travels around the country with them, witnessing their triumphs and tribulations and going on a little journey of self-discovery and seeing the world of rock and roll and seeing the music, what, what goes into creating the music that he loves. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much the whole plot.
0: Is there any trivia? I can't
1: there, imagine there's
0: any trivia. Oh my at all. god,
1: there's a ton of. There is so much. I'm gonna. I actually had to really winnow things through. First off, just to so you know, the director Cameron Crowe is also known for directing and writing Jerry Maguire, Vanilla Sky, and Say Anything. Well, to be fair, Vanilla
0: Sky was a uh, um, adaptation. It was a Spanish ah. film. Ah, okay. Penelope Cruz
1: was in both yeah. of them,
0: and you uh, actually left out one of his biggies. Which one? Well, I don't know if I should mention it because it's actually going to be next week's movie. But Oh, okay. Well, we'll,
1: we'll get to it then.
0: Well, I'll uh, enter it the, now. Uh, he also wrote Fast Times at Rizmont High.
1: Ah, that's right. Oh, and that's going to be our next movie. Interesting. That is
0: going to be our... I, You know, usually I wait till the end, but no, there you go.
1: So the movie stars uh, Patrick Fugit as uh, William Miller, the young writer. No, no. I have no idea who this guy is. Uh, he's so, been in
0: stuff. I looked him up. Uh, yeah.
1: He's got one of those faces, though. It's like, oh, you've
0: never met another person, have you? Like, <laughs> It's so fresh. He's almost like a yeah. pod person.
1: Yeah, he really, no character written in his face.
0: He kind of reminded me of the lead kid in Super 8. Oh, okay. Just, just because it's like, I don't think I was ever that young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's well, got this sort of, like, this very, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll get a little bit more to him, but his face is, I'm sure they chose him partially for his looks because he just looks like this, innocent fawn <laughs>
1: kind of yeah. anyway go kind ahead kind of uh, it also stars uh, Billy Crudup that we all know as the naked Dr. Manhattan is it Crudup or Crudup I always say Crudup that's oh. how I've heard it pronounced uh, Frances McDormand oh Dormand.
0: oh Frances
1: McDormand oh. she is awesome awesome <sighs> well much beloved of the fair, of uh, uh, of many directors also the very young Kate Hudson yes and Jason Lee, and a bunch of very strange cameos, yeah, which we'll get to later. Now, the trivia, like I say, there's a ton. Uh, this is semi-autobiographical. When uh, Cameron Crowe was 18, not 15, he toured with the Allman Brothers, and uh, Greg Allman apparently duly really distrusted him and kept asking him if he was a narc. <laughs> uh, they, he was uh, also in a near-fatal plane crash while traveling with The Who, Ah, and that, I'll come back to that. And the character of Russell Hammond, Billy Crudup's character, the sort of lead singer, lead person of the band, is based on Glenn Frey of the Eagles. Oh, yeah. Apparently, he was a lot like that. Uh, Stillwater's songs uh, were written by Peter Frampton. <laughs>
0: well, he's he was, actually he he's busy. in
1: the movie somewhere. I didn't spot him, but apparently he's in there. Okay.
0: Uh still water too I'm gonna I would have this in my notes it's like and now from Troy Michigan yeah that's where I work ah like literally that's the city I work in um, and it's interesting because it doesn't have the feel of a city that would ever have produced a rock and roll band um, no offense to my <laughs> Michigan listeners and I know there's a bunch out there but it's just not I don't know they're just that kind of town well huh? to be fair I, I work in a mall yes. but uh, Troy uh, the area of Michigan I live in they don't have a lot of cities that have like a downtown, right? There's mm-hmm. not like city centers and stuff. This is one of those. And I may have, maybe I've missed the downtown of Troy, Michigan, but I've never seen it. So when they said Troy, I was like, why did they pick Troy?
1: Yeah. Like,
0: you know, Detroit, maybe, but De- Troy, okay.
1: Uh, to look like a real rock band, the four actors in Stillwater rehearsed for four hours a night, five nights a week for six weeks. They look great. Yeah, they really do. They're very convincing. Uh, Jason Lee is the uh, lead guitarist, who we should, we remember, of course, from our film Mall Rats. I and the, many other, and things. the voice the voice of Syndrome from The Incredibles. Uh, most films have music budgets of less than one point five million. This film features over fifty songs and has a music budget of three and a half million. Oops. Uh, at the party, at one point, Russell. For some reason, Russell Hammond ends up at a, at a suburban kids' party just because he wants <laughs> to see real people. In he ends up On the roof of, of the house, screaming, I am a golden god, while he's on acid. Right. That is a reference to an actual event that took place with Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin, who is supposed to have done the same thing while sober, looking out over the sunset strip from a hotel balcony. How? Oh. Did he jump? No. Oh. Uh, at the age of 18 Cameron Crowe wrote the liner notes to Frampton Comes Alive oh yeah and Frampton returned the favor by acting as the musical consultant for the film and writing the songs for uh for Stillwater cool now one of my favorite characters in this movie is one of the ones that's on the screen the least and that is Lester Bangs played Mm. by who is played by Philip Seymour Hoffman Lester Bangs by the way real person
0: yeah, and I think they actually did have a correspondence. Some of the people in here that were real, like the I can't remember his name, but the guy who was at Rolling Stone who calls Cameron Crowe's character. Oh, Jan, in the
1: film, Jan Wenner.
0: Yeah, he's. Oh, oh no, Jan Wenner. No, no, no. no, 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 no.
1: Oh, you, uh, Wong. Oh, oh the oh. other guy. The other yeah. guy. Uh, yeah, Bam. He was real. Yes, yes, I did. Yep, he was real too. We do also see Jan Winter, who is purported to be an absolute jackass, but.
0: <laughs> That's reported.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're not by, saying I'm, he is. We're saying not, we're not saying is. he is. I'm saying that someone I know who wrote for Rolling Stone told me he'd met Jan Winter a number of times and Jan Winter is in Bleep hole Oh, dear. Yeah. I'm going to have to bleep the word bleep. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> you can't say bleep on the air. Uh, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman's schedule only let him only permitted him to be on set for 4 days and he had Ugh. the flu he had the flu the whole time. Wow. And he still puts in a great he's so cool in this movie. He really man, I miss him. Yes. He did some he, such amazing work. He, he is a real loss. He was a terrific, terrific actor. Yeah. Uh, there actually was a band called Stillwater in the 70s, though the band depicted in the film isn't them. The band read the script and said, yeah, you can use our name. Because we're not using it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the old yeah. records w- that uh, William looks through at the beginning are actually Cameron Crowe's, saved yeah. from his younger years. Uh, suppose, according to Cameron Crowe, he sent the script around town to see if he could get anyone to respond to it. Steven Spielberg read his 172-page script over the weekend and called Crowe on Monday saying, Direct every word. Huh. Yeah. I, I also like uh, Dennis Hope, who is the manager who takes over the band, played by, of all people, Jimmy Fallon. Who is almost unrecognizable until he starts yeah. talking. Yeah, he doesn't look anything. He's got a beard, and you can see why Jimmy Fallon does not wear a beard. Jimmy, don't do not do that again. Beards don't work for you. He has that, that line, if you think Mick Jagger is going to be touring when he's 50, he <laughs> isn't. Uh, as of 2017, at age 74, Sir Michael is still touring. Sir Michael? Yeah, I believe he was knighted. His real name's Michael? What do you think
0: Mick comes from? In his case, Mick. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, Mickey uh, is real. Mickey uh, Jagger, <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Mick Jagger's real name is Mickey. Ah, uh, yes,
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> From one
1: Mickey to another. I, I see a red door and I just want to paint it black. <laughs> oh, paint it black. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, according to the documentary Supermensch, the legend of Shep Gordon. Oh no, yeah. No, I don't. I don't know who Shep Gordon is. I I but, watch that. Oh. it was but good. Shep, Shep Gordon reveals that uh, Cameron Crowe was present on a plane with him and the members of Alice Cooper's band, Alice Cooper. And during there was an actual storm and a panic, and one of the passengers yelled, we're all going to die, I have to confess something, turning to another passenger. Nobody knows who was in this exchange, but he turned to him and said, I've been sleeping with your wife. At which point the pilot told everyone on the flight that the plane was okay and they were landing safely, rout, rout. leaving the entire plane in awkward silence for the rest of the flight. And this this is probably the inspiration for one of the most memorable scenes in Almost Famous, where the entire band is on a flight a plane. They all think it's going to crash, and they all start screaming out all these you know truths they've been holding in. <laughs>
0: Until the lead singer the Jason Lee characters is like Ah, oh, now it comes out, I don't love you, I hate you
1: <laughs> <laughs> And the drummer in the back Who has had, I think, no lines in the movie Nope Just suddenly yells out, I'm gay And, and nobody knows what to do with that Either that or they're just all like, whatever We're yeah. gonna crash,
0: we don't we're care We're gonna die, we don't care
1: <laughs> Best uh, time,
0: to... apparently that's the best time to come out Nis. This is Pride Month if you want to come out, I would suggest getting on a flight with the people you need to tell and aim for a storm. And that way, when it's all over, they'll forget.
1: The, the makers of Max Mike movies would like to say we do not, not condone getting on a plane in, in a storm intentionally. <laughs> yeah, makers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's most of it. Uh, we also know that the film takes place very specifically. We know it's 1973. Yep. Because at one point, Russell points out that in 11 years, it's going to be 1984. Well, also, it's on the bus. That, too. So. Then but. Then we, uh, Doris. <laughs> I, I really like the fact the opening credits are handwritten. Almost, are we done? Are we done? Almost. With I, got, the, I got one well, more thing. I like that they're they're handwritten. And the hand that is doing the writing, that's Cameron Crowe. I kind
0: of figured it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that. Now we're done with the, the trivia. So. The Lowdown.
0: Hmm. Mm. So now you had been meaning to get around to seeing
1: this cuz I have for years because of Cameron Crowe or partly because of Cameron Crowe but also I really like m- movies about rock musicians and people have always been telling me oh this is an amazing movie and uh, it's full of all of these people who were just about to break people like Kate Hudson and right. Anna Paquin yep. and e- and Jay Baruchel is in it
0: well, we also have, uh, I have a soft spot for her. She hasn't been in movies that I've seen. She's been working steadily since the first movie I saw her in, but Feruza Balk. Oh, yes,
1: uh, who, mm-hmm. who, is, who plays Sapphire, one of the band-aids. Yep. Don't, actually, don't, call, I, I looked, don't call them groupies.
0: No, 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 no. Uh, I actually looked her up, and uh, Feruza is, oh, man, what is the, uh, the language? I actually saw this. Uh. It's the language that her nationality, her father, saw her eyes and said that word. It actually means turquoise
1: oh. in,
0: in the, her native language. Which she, ha- she has
1: amazing eyes. I yeah. mean, she's I just, one of those people who look. you look at her eyes and you think, oh, my God, it's a living anime character.
0: She had a very thankless job, and that was yeah. the first time I saw her, which was in Return to Oz. Oh, yeah. And she's she's taking over for Dorothy. It's like, okay, well, here's one of the most <laughs> iconic characters yeah. ever. Yeah. And so you're going to take over. You're a lot younger than the actress who last portrayed her um, to any great, you know, renown. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not going to sing. And they're actually going to make it out as if you have mental problems. So and,
1: and, And you're almost never going to be acting in a scene with another person.
0: No, it's either going to be CG or they're in a costume or something. Yeah. Um, and I thought she did a very credible job. I like that movie. It is dark. Yeah. Uh, it is It is a great film to take your kids to if you want to scare them. Yeah, if <laughs> you don't some... like
1: your children, by all means, take, take them to see it.
0: It's like, yeah, that, you can do double feature. You can do that and Black Cauldron. <laughs> oh, and, God. Um, yeah, so this is what, if you haven't seen the film, there is, and this is from the book, so they're actually mm-hmm. more more uh, faithful to the books than the original Wizard of Oz, but there is Princess Mombi, whose big deal is taking the heads of other people so she can just swap out whenever she wants a new one. Yep. And she's got this whole hallway full of heads that are severed heads
1: <laughs> that are still and,
0: alive. And she sleeps without one. So there's yeah. this wonderful sucking sound while she <laughs> Anyway, we're going far afield, but Way this afield, is the Farouza Balk's first film that I saw her in. Yeah, so I have a sort is. of a
1: soft spot whenever she pops. And up. she does a great job in this as sapphire. Yeah. She's wonderful as this sort of semi motherly band groupie or what have you. Yeah. Okay, and uh, also does Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson is the is the Penny character, right? Yeah, she's Kate Hudson is Penny Lane, who yeah. is in effect the leader of the band aids, who acts who sees herself more as like a muse for the band and is unfortunately desperately in love with Russell Hammond who is also desperately in love with Russell Hammond.
0: Well, I, you get the impression, at least by the time the film's over, that he really mm. does love her, too. It's just not enough, and it's too late.
1: Well, also, she's 16 years old.
0: Well, we, we, yes. yes. He,
1: we think so. We're pretty yeah. sure.
0: But let's put it this way. It, even if she isn't, the idea is that she's not old enough to be doing what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, of course, the Russell character is is married, and so that there's an issue with that, and blah 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 blah. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. let's put it this way: it's rock and roll, folks. This is not going to yeah. be squeaky clean. I actually think that things could have been, and
1: probably were, a hell of a lot worse than we ever saw. Very likely. I mean, even though this was the '70s, and the level of debauchery had not quite hit what it has since become. It, yeah. The rock, the the rock tours were supposed to be like Sodom and Gomorrah, pretty much. Yeah. And, and th- they're cops. <laughs> they, so, I they're, they fight crime. Yep. Uh, I, did, I like the opening. The, the opening has nothing to do with rock and roll initially. It's just sort of the family life of, uh-huh. uh, of William and yep. uh, his mother, Frances McDormand, and his sister, Zoe Deschanel, who is. Talk about having two women with unbelievable blue eyes in the same movie. I mean, this is another actress who's really well known for that. And she's like the
0: hipsters, like. Da- uh, darling, right? I mean, she's like, oh, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, uh, And she does uh, the, the daughter. I mean, considering she's she's a very ancillary character, she's really more of a I wonder what do I want to say instigator that's not the right word, but she's an enabler.
1: Yeah, she, and, yeah, she's kind of a catalyst for some things
0: because Frances McDermott, who is wonderful
1: in this film, she oh, is she's so, so good. good. She had like, that uh, great moment where I don't know for some reason she lets her son go off on the road with this well, rock band. Because, you know, she understands probably. Well, first off, she's worried about pushing him away because she, her daughter has left because she's the rebellious one and she's gone off to become a stewardess.
0: Like you he- do. Yeah, and here's the thing. I actually had a note about that because when we're dealing with the daughter, the daughter's not even allowed to play rock and roll of any kind. And the first record we see her hold up is <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. Yes. And why can't I play this? Because it's all about drugs. And look, I'm like, they're they're both on pot.
1: Look at the look at <laughs> it. and she's pointing at Paul Simon's eyes. I'm going, "No, that's the way he always looks."
0: Well, and to be fair, I, I think I don't know anything about them personally, but my feeling is that probably the worst thing they were on was pot. Yeah, maybe, probably. maybe. But I don't know. I, I don't I'm know. I'm trying to think. I'm I, I'm trying to think. I because I, I really like Simon and Garfunkel and Paul Simon. After that, I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of the um, litany of of drug songs. And um, yeah, not coming to mind.
1: Uh, <laughs> actually, there's a lot of religion no, but, in their
0: songs. Yeah, um, there,
1: there, there kind of is. But so I, I'm so sure there must be some. You know, like, hey, if you know, if you think of any we missed, let us yeah, know.
0: Yeah, we but so so we we have this hmm. big scene between mother and daughter where she's like she can't basically express herself in any way because the mother is like if there was free range anything back then that's what the mother does yeah She's, that's right they take
1: no meat no sugar no right. flour and i she, actually she,
0: really like the the cameron crow character the william as he's portrayed as a little kid um because mm-hmm. he's really interested in stuff he's very smart mm-hmm. he's he's got a very open mind and he and his mom have a really interesting bond because she's trying to get him to to see the intellectual side of things and and the better side of things and the kids really good at it he's like he he's 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 there he's excited and then you know, then the rock comes up and he's like, well, he's interested in that too. Mm-hmm. And she won't even let it be played in the house. And then, of course, the sister says, yeah, like Max said, I'm going off to be a, a stewardess because that's what you did. And then the next scene is basically he's going to be going to a Black Sabbath concert. And it's like, wow. Well,
1: no, no, no. There's a scene in there that is, is very important. There are a couple that are very important that you skip. Because when she leaves, she whispers to him, look under your bed. Right. I, I've left you some. And she's left him all her records. And when he opens... Uh, the double the double album oh i still remember those i know we i know you don't like uh, vinyl <laughs> no vinyl is stupid i am not crazy about vinyl but i miss the albums the yeah. covers yeah. cuz those things could be works of art they were yeah. beautiful and he opens up tommy tommy's the who and there's a note in there from her saying play this with a candle burning it will change your life and it does he puts it on and it's the it, i thought that one scene it's very short while well, he's listening to The Who, and yeah. it, it's a transformative moment for him. You can just see his eyes just light up, and he wants this more than any. And after that, you see him, he's reading Cream, he's reading Rolling Stone. He's that become, and he's covering his room with rock posters, and that becomes his thing. Oh, I have no problem with him. Mm -hmm. in
0: that change i have the problem with the mother because she goes basically from no rock in my house to he's going to a black sabbath concert she's taking him
1: yeah it's a little surprising although she the whole time she's like this is a mistake i shouldn't be doing this (laughs) and her whole thing always don't do drugs yeah yeah. yells that out the window she sends him notes oh i also it's so odd that he's obviously a prodigy too he's like incredibly smart because he doesn't know He doesn't realize he's in high school and he doesn't understand why he's so much smaller than all the other kids. And he has he thinks he's twelve years old and they're all thirteen and you know, oh puberty hit them earlier. He finds out he's eleven.
0: Yeah. His mother
1: skipped him two grades. Yeah. (laughs) He's horrified.
0: And you know, I don't know if that part of Cramer Crow's background is true or not, but it would certainly be a reason why he was writing for major magazines because I, I looked a little bit into him and before he got the rolling stone gig in that tour mm-hmm. yeah when he was 16 he was writing for cream and the other magazines first yeah. so they talk about him having written for the local school magazine and that's when he starts writing he somehow i don't know he got picked up but he got picked up for cream and there was one other magazine i can't remember what it was mm. um so you know maybe that part was true too i don't know Um, And the Philip Seymour Hoffman character, I mean, I (laughs) am i I kind of want more of him and I kind of think it's cool that he's not there more than he is, but he says something and it's like, I'm listening to him going, oh, wow, that's just like, you know, that's your your crusty old attitude. Oh, no, wait, he's probably right. When he starts talking about Rock and he's like, oh, yeah, Rock's dead. It's done. It's 1973. And you're like, are you kidding? We haven't even hit blah, blah. And then you start thinking about what he actually meant. And it's like, the sincerity of it the being the whole idea of rock and roll was that it was a rebellious thing right yeah. back in it the Yeah it was sef- about the, the music and right. and
1: in the 70s it was starting to become an industry
0: yep and sure enough by yeah. n- not even the late 70s the mid 70s mm-hmm. like right where they're heading it's they're starting to quantify it and they're starting to Mass find produce. ways to yeah mm-hmm. merchandise it and it's you know There's no rebellion left in it. I mean, certainly Mm. these days, there's nothing. You know, forget Mm. it. I don't even know what kind of... Like, even rap. You know, I don't listen to rap, but rap is is as merchandised and as figured out and as as computerized as anything else. But it
1: it didn't start that way. It started out (laughs) raw and primal and scary to white people and powerful. And yeah, now it's a lot of it. And I'm sure there's still some in the underground scenes. That apparently is where you go to find quote-unquote real music. But yeah, yeah, most of the popular stuff is extremely, it's processed, it's focus grouped, yep. it's audio, auto-tuned, and God knows what, anyway, we're, we're sounding like two old men. but Well, well we we are. Yeah, we kind of are, yeah.
0: <laughs> but it, it's like when I, he I said, do... I, when, but he said that, he's like, ah, it rocks dead. And I'm like, 73, dude, re-, and then yeah. you just start thinking. Yeah. And it's like, I actually want to know more about that character, Lester Bangs, because he's like, this guy's interesting, and yeah. he still loves it. You know, you see passion like this in a few other films. Like, you see it with... Um john cusack's character in high fidelity Mm -hmm. you see it with jack black in the same movie actually in in many any film that's got music in it you see jack black's utter (laughs) passion for music and i think it's when he's at his best yeah and it's it's like these are people i would love to sit down and because i don't understand music enough i don't get it enough it touches me and more and more as i get older i find music is actually having way more of an emotional effect than it used to when i was younger Hmm. but it's like these are people who really get it and I want to know more about this guy. I'm, I'm interested. And I again, I kind of want to see more of him in the film, but this isn't about him. And yeah. his influence is kind of perfect.
1: And the, the advice he gives, every bit of it is right. Yeah. When he says, they're going to gonna want you to be their friend, the musicians, the band, yeah. they want you to be, you'll want to be their friend because they'll want to make you, you want to be cool and they're going to make you cool. Don't do it. You cannot be their friend you have to write about, you have to be honest and unmerciful. That yep. was a gr- I love that phrase, honest and unmerciful. And he's absolutely right. And that is one of the central conflicts of the movie yep. is William hangs out with these guys, travels with them, and he becomes part of them where he wants to be part of them. Yep. And it's not. it's not clear. It's not like they're manipulating him consciously, but of course they are. Right. They, well, you the,
0: know, there's there's that early part where they're always aware of his presence.
1: Yeah. And they and always call—Russell always refers to him as the enemy.
0: Or just enemy, which I thought mm-hmm. was actually a really cool nickname. And if yeah. I was 16 years old and I was I would a want to be band, called enemy. Yep. I would want to keep that forever. In yep. fact, that'd be my tagline. I'd sign on this article by enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, but later on, you know, you can't keep up that guard forever. And eventually they just relax— And the nice part is they always include him like it's always assumed he's going to be there and i don't even know if you can do this anymore you know because everything Mm -hmm. has been so you know monopolized or not monopolized but so merchandised and so thought out that i don't think you can have that raw experience of just being there and Mm -hmm. somehow not being in the band but being in the band um and he i love this one part where He's calling, uh, uh, calling uh, Lester Bangs, and he's asking for advice. And he's like, yeah, you, like you said, you know, you you can't, you want to be cool. Well, you can't be. I'm uncool. You're yeah, uncool. We're not cool. And he, he, yeah. he
1: tells him that at the end. And they he also said, says, he's like, oh, you...
0: I'm so glad you were home when I called. He's like, are you kidding? I'm uncool. Of course I'm home. <laughs> I'm
1: always home. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yes, yeah, so am I. He says, yeah, we're not cool. And he says, all great art comes out of being uncool. It comes mm-hmm. out of you know frustration and and wishes denied and law, love unrequited. That's where art comes from. Beautiful people don't do that. Cool people don't do that. They they get the girls, but yeah. they don't they don't do that. Or the boys. It's Pride Month. Or the boys. Or the boys. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, oh yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. I, also, I, the character of William is really interesting. He looks like such this little dweeb. I mean, the band aids they first see him, they call him Opie. And it's kind of appropriate. Yeah. That just cracked me up.
0: I like the way he's played because mm -hmm. he's so fresh-faced and generally very quiet. The character does not have that many lines. And at first you think he's wowed by these guys. He's bowled over by these guys. He's totally taken in. And then when he does say something or he makes an observation, you realize, oh, no, he's thinking all the time. He's paying
1: attention. He, He loves the scene. He wants to be part of it. But he's be on some level he's being a journalist. He's also remarkably persistent. The first time when he's at the Black Sabbath concert, and the bouncer won't let him in because he's not on the list. He do, he keeps trying to get in over and over. He doesn't get cowed. No. He doesn't get frightened away. All this is is there is an obstacle. I'm going to overcome it. How? Yeah. And he's
0: just young, so he's not—he's not thinking about oh, I'm going to scale the walls and use my nope, super nope. Tom Cruise skills <laughs> to. Yeah, he's—he's uh, it, it, he played very well because you always believe that he's 16 years old. He mm-hmm. or well, 15, as yeah. it turns out. Yeah, um, and you really do believe it the only part that might not be believable and i you know again i don't know cameron crowe is that his mom says don't do drugs often often enough and there is never a scene where you see him have so much as like he has a sip of a beer i think once and even then i'm not even sure i saw that yeah you know
1: he, no, stays... he never as far as we know he we don't we never see him do drugs no you see him do a lot of other things i mean we see him well... lose his virginity to three women
0: yeah and you know part of me is like well there's a male fantasy if I ever saw yeah, it's like yeah. oh no not me not me and then the next thing he's in his underpants yeah. um, and th- of course at that point we're sure he's 15 because it's like oh you not got- a chest hair in sight yes <laughs> <laughs> you can't spell the word chest hair yeah yeah and of word. course
1: part of the fantasy is all the women who are all over him are just friggin gorgeous I mean it's Veruza right. Bulk and Anna Paquin and well actually you know Penny Lane or Kate Hudson is in the bathroom at the time
0: well, he yeah. Well, she actually stands back because she's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be part of this.
1: Yeah. Um, and so we... much is done. One of the things I really like about the way this movie is done is so much of it is done without dialogue, with one, with just the way people look at each other or little things. Right in the beginning, when William's sister Anita, you know, Zoe Deschanel is leaving home with her boyfriend Daryl, right? Who has like no lines, but when William tells him, you know, hey, you know, he's trying to be cool, but he's like, hey, you know, man, dude, try. You know, take care of her. And Daryl just looks at him and sneers. Just this little... That's all you need to know about Daryl. Right there, you know his entire character. I thought that was really good. And we're glad we don't see him again. Yes, I'm glad he disappears. And then in the hotel, in the fancy schmancy hotel, uh, when Penny and Russell are just looking at each other across the room, the looks are so intense and so remarkable. Oh, when His the wife really is there, really powerful. No, no. Oh. You, oh, that's that's impressive too. The oh end, boy, no, this is, is the he big... squirming
0: in oh, that scene? Boy, Ooh. yes. Because everybody at the table knows who Penny is, and they're wondering why yeah. she's there. And no, the, no, wife this is the is. This is the first one. This is the Continental. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know. I was just talking about that particular scene, but yeah. And then of course Penny does something dumb. But there you go. Yeah. To
1: be fair, it's it's very realistic. It is, and it's also a very moving and very disturbing scene. Yeah. One, this movie is in in some ways it's also very uncomfortable because the central conflict the whole time is you're sitting there going, he has to betray them. Right. That's what he has to do to be a journalist if he's going to really follow his dream if he's really going to be a journalist. All those times that they said, hey, don't write about this, don't write about this, he's going to have to write about it.
0: Right. And it does co- cause... Because we never get to see or hear the story, you know, because mm-hmm. there wasn't one, right? There was no Stillwater band in 73, no. or if no, there was, is- it wasn't this band, and so this, this part isn't He real. did
1: write about, I mean, Crow wrote about the Ullman Brothers. I Guess don't think didn't. it was a hatchet job, but...
0: Uh, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I didn't look that far into it. I yeah. did look in far enough. Now I want to read the book that Fast Times at Ridgemont High, he went undercover as a high school student. He was Oh, really? Yes, and that's why he wrote about it. And apparently he actually centered the book on five specific people. But he, I think it was just the senior year. He showed up and was like, I'm gonna be registered, I'm gonna be a high school student, and I'm gonna write about this. And so he did this, he actually did that. Like, here are all these kids that I'm gonna get to know. I'm too old for them. And I'm going to write about that they said, Ooh, I have to beat my own self. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. He wrote about stuff uh, that they probably didn't want to see. Now, of course he probably changed their names because these are high school kids who cares who they are, right? Mm -hmm. It's only important that it's sincere, but with a rock band, that's what people are reading the article for. So, you know, and of course, sure enough, he prints the article, they do their fact checking and everybody in the band goes, we never said any of those things. Yeah, they deny it.
1: Although eventually they don't or... Russell well, Russ, at least confirms it, but yeah.
0: yeah. A golden God, I never said that. Wait, did I? I don't think I did. <laughs> I love the scene in Topeka. Uh, could you imagine... Like, that is the dream of every high school kid. Like, I'm having a party at my house like I do. Of course, this kid apparently knew everybody in high school because I have never seen a party that... Well, no, I did. Yeah. yeah. I take it back. I did actually go to a party in high school that had that many people in it. <laughs> yeah. But and this is in Topeka, Kansas, mm-hmm. um, which <laughs> if
1: you're interested in yeah, you to Topeka, he Kansas... He goes to this kid's... I, I did a
0: movie about Topeka, Kansas. You, know, uh, you can uh, see yes. that on my YouTube channel. But anyway, so for some reason, Russell's just like, I got to get out of here. And they run into these kids and like, Hey, you want to come to my party? They're walking down the street, Russell and, and uh, William. And there's like, Hey, are you in Stillwater? Yeah. Hey, I'm giving a party. You want to come? And Russell, who's just had enough with the band right at the moment, basically says, you know
1: what? Sure. I would love to go. It's a great shot because he looks over at William and William starts shaking his head really hard. No, no. Russell starts nodding his head. (laughs) And as he says, I want something real. He's saying, I want to see real people. So he yep. goes there and he drops acid. And it has one of the best lines in there, which at one point the kid says, you want to see me feed a mouse to my snake? And Russell goes, yes. yes." Yeah. <laughs> but also
0: it's like the kid comes up and it's like, hey, there's acid in the in the big cups. And Russell just takes a cup and downs the whole thing. Oh, God. And, and William's like, uh, no more acid, no more acid. <laughs> and, and sure even, enough,
1: he ends up on the roof. And, right. he's like, and R- William is afraid he's going to jump. And he's up and it's... It's such a great scene because he's like, "Okay, my last words. You can write my last words. I'm on drugs." Yeah, and everyone cheers. He goes and and when William, in a remarkable show of good sense, goes, uh, uh, "Russell, I think we have to work on those last words." Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. Um, I dig music, and everyone's uh, just
0: like, uh, "Yeah,
1: I'm on drugs." Yeah. And he jumps into the damn pool. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and of course you're sitting there going, he's going to jump into the yeah, He's going to be fine, probably. but
1: Yeah, we uh, don't know, but yeah. But,
0: you know, and I I, I both get it from the kids' side of things. Like, hey, here's a party. Oh my God, there's a rock star at our party. Mm. And I also get it from Russell's side. It's like, how do you connect with people without things being nuts? Because if you do it in a venue people mob you and make a big deal. Well, he went to a party where everyone's already high, and so their their energy level isn't really going to be a big deal. And they're deal.
1: probably going to next the next day they're going to be asking themselves, "Hey, um, did Russell Hammond actually show up at the party or did I hallucinate it?" I, don't, I Nobody will know. And that's um, the other thing. It's a whole different time. Nowadays, it would be all over YouTube. He'd oh, have yeah. to apologize.
0: Well, you know and this actually kind of happened in a way cuz my sister who lives in LA oh yes uh, likes to sing karaoke at this little bar and she was singing with uh, there she and and while she wasn't singing at the at the moment but while she was sitting at her table a well-known star Nicolas Cage <laughs> showed up having had something to drink and started belting out Elvis tunes much to everybody else in the bar's dismay. Well, sure enough, it showed up on TMZ. Yeah. Uh, and the funny thing is, is my sister told me this story, and like the day after it happened, I was we were going out to to do karaoke. And my buddy the wheeze hey wheeze was there, and we started. It's like, oh, this isn't going to be like that Nicholas Cage thing, and we're like, yes, it's exactly that. Nicholas. It's like, wait, you were there? It's like, yeah. See the back of that guy's head. He was at our table. Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, this stuff does still happen. It's right. just not. How it just want it. it's
1: not private. Everyone yeah. finds out about it. No. The thing I, I like about that scene is afterwards, you know, he's come down, and they get him back on the bus, and they're heading out of town. And it's one of my favorite sequences because they're playing music on their bus and they're playing Elton John's Tiny Dancer. Yep. And everyone is just sitting there. Nobody really knows what to say. He, Russell is, you know, a mess. And just in the back, the drummer slowly starts playing along, just drumming on his shoes along with the song. And a couple of them start nodding along with the beat and they start singing along. Yeah. And the whole bus is singing "Tiny Dancer," and it's just a—it's so nicely done. The lighting is gorgeous, the way the camera shifts—it's really nice. It's really touching and it's really beautiful. There's a couple of nice uses of
0: music. The other one is the the use of uh, Simon and Garfunkel's "America" when they oh. when that comes on. That hit me right in the chest. It's like. That's what the song's about. It's all and about it, getting
1: out and going and seeing yeah, but the it's, country. The way it's done is so artificial. You know, I know, but... It's, it's Anita. It's Again, it's at the beginning of the movie when she wants to leave, and she's saying, and it, the mother's saying, you can't even tell me we have to listen to a record? She's like, yes, this song explains why I have to leave, and it's Simon and Garfunkel's America. And on the one hand, yes, that is a gorgeous song, and it's very affecting... But it's so affected. It's so teenager. It's but like that's this why song, it's perfect. This song, and it, it is also in a lot of ways, it's the message of the movie. It's like this song is telling, I can use someone else's song. These, these artists are expressing how I feel better than I can. Right. And that, that's and that, part of that, what, that... why
0: people love music. And that's why I, as as you said, it is an a- affected scene, but it is so teenager. It is yeah. perfect. You don't get me, and it's <laughs> like there, there it is. Simon and um, Garfunkel, they get me now. <laughs> I'm gonna go follow Paul Williams. Uh, that's a that's a that's a deep dig. So very um, very deep dig. Yep. Interestingly, Tiny Dancer actually hit me twice in two days because oh, no. the day after I watched this, I went and saw Rocketman. Man. <laughs> which we uh-huh. will also be talking about yep. in another movie but of course hey big surprise tiny dancer shows up in that
1: yeah
0: um and there's been some musician and i, I can't use the word biopics because uh, at least elton john has come out and said specifically it's not a biopic it's a fantasy um, but music or movies about musicians or bands lives that are you know in various states of truth um and it's It's interesting that we're getting a lot of this now, and and again, coupled with this movie, which is also 20 years old, but people do want to know about this stuff, and music is just as affecting as it's ever been and just yeah. as strong and and is used to to say, yeah, that's how I feel by people. Even though it's, you know, far more merchandise. There are still people out making music because they need to make music and not mm-hmm. necessarily for the money.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and it's for me it's like there's there's starting to be this string of films. And I don't know if there's another one coming down the road or whatever, but of course <laughs> one of the most interesting things about the Rocketman film is uh, yeah, Elton John's still alive and he was one of the executive producers. Although <laughs> Uh, somebody gave me a link to a podcast where this guy, and I swear the guy's 16 in this too. It's for a podcast called, um, can't remember the name of it. Mm-hmm. No, uh, <laughs> but he is basically said, yeah, you're gonna interview Elton John. He's like, oh, okay, and <laughs> he's talking specifically about the movie, and Elton John is just like, yeah, my hands, were, I, I had hands off. I didn't pick any of the music. I didn't set up any of that stuff. I, yeah, I said do what you're gonna do. I don't want, I don't want to choose. Mm-hmm. So apparently. The way they fictionalized his life was not
1: his choice. So, Mm -hmm. but we're going to get to that. He was quoted as saying, "In fact, oh yeah, during the times when I was, you know, an addict, I was a huge jerk."
0: Yeah, Uh, and I will, you know, well, we'll talk about that film in another podcast because we have to. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just thought it was interesting that there's all of the, oh, not all of these, but there's this string of films, and I'm interested. And I, I maybe I'm not been the average audience member or the the demographic if you must but if you want to start doing more films about real people's singing careers or musical careers i, I think there's room for it out there i mm. you know this film was fictionalized and it feels real enough that's like i want to see more of this not necessarily that character but i want to see more i want to know more i want to see more Hoffman.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sadly we will not yeah, uh, I, um, I also like the fact that uh, after they have the issue with the plane, yeah. their their bus is called, on the bus. It says it's called the No More Airplanes Tour.
0: Yeah, Doris. I think
1: apparently they got. The, I'm, so, I'm glad it wasn't Priscilla because that would have been a whole other movie. Yep, um, and I like the fact that it's Penny who gets who is it, it instigates the the sort of uh, reconciliation between William and ha- and uh, Russell at the end.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's basically her way of saying, "Yeah, I'm over you," or mm-hmm. "I'm go I'm going to make sure that I'm over you because I don't I don't trust you, Russell." And she mm-hmm. she shouldn't. He's a rock star. It, it, there's not. Yeah, he's not he's, a bad
1: person, but yeah, he's a rock star.
0: Yeah, and it's like when you're on the road, it's one of those deals where it's, well, it's on the road it doesn't count. It's like okay, because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it does. Yeah. Um, I will say too that there's things about this film because it takes place in the '70s, which were very they hearkened back a lot for me. One of them was actually the typewriter. Oh, uh, my, the, mo- my mom had the same typewriter. Literally the same. This the same. <laughs> corona. So uh, growing up, whenever we had to type anything, we did it on that typewriter. Uh-huh. Um, and of course, like Max said, vinyl. I, I personally don't hearken back to vinyl. I hate vinyl. Um, <laughs> and if you want to write us about why vinyl is wonderful, you can go ahead and do it all you want. We'll read it. We won't agree with you, or at least I won't. I just, again, if you grew up with vinyl, It skipped, it scratched the second time you played anything. (laughs) Yeah, and it wore out. (laughs) But you sat there holding that album cover, reading the lyrics when you were listening to that music. You, and I don't know if people, do people still do this? But people, when I got an album, even in the CDs, when I got an album for the first time, I would sit there and listen to it all the way through and reading the lyrics along because I wanted to know what's Mm. going on. And I don't know if people do that anymore because now music's freaking everywhere,
1: right? You don't always get liner notes with digital music. You can, but you have to work for it. Well, And even with a CD, it's like,
0: oh, it's there. Let me get my bifocals. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can't read you what you say down here. Oh, yes. Oh, I think he said the F word. <laughs> uh, but it was, yeah, there's, there's... Things weren't didn't feel as hurried. I don't remember being as hurried when I was... In the 70s. Mm-hmm. That was kind of nice. And of course, back then you couldn't be because it's like, well, there's no internet. I love when they make mention of that thing called a mojo. I'd never heard oh, of yes. it. Oh, yes. That's Have right. You- one of
1: the Yes, that was one of the prototype fax machines. It was 18 minutes a page. <laughs> yep. And they're talking about it like it's the speed of light. It's amazing. It's only 18 minutes a page to broadcast. Well, and they don't show it, but they suggest
0: that what William, because the, the editors at Rolling Stone are like, um, hey, we were getting your bills. Uh, where's the story? It's due yeah. in four days. And send us what you've got. And all William has is what, they were not even Post-it notes because they didn't have Post-it notes. Yeah, it's like, they like napkins. And- yeah, scraps of paper. So did he, I'm guessing that this Mojo thing looked sort of like a, a photocopier of the time. So did he just sit there and place them all in the glass and just send pictures? No, he, of we
1: see him at some point trying to type some of it up. And I think that's what he ended up do, doing with most of it. He would have had to. They wouldn't have accepted it in forms of notes. I mean, only Hunter S. Thompson could get away with, like, handing in cocktail napkins with his story scrolled on them. Oh, yeah, I don't know.
0: Um, there, there is this sort of bit where you're starting to wonder, can William actually write this? Um, we know that there's been evidence of it because, heck, Rolling Stone called him Mm-hmm. And they said, "Hey, we want you." Is this way- <laughs> when he lowers his voice? Well, is, this- uh, yes, is, yes, is this William Miller? you yeah, Miller. the guy, same guy who wrote the story. Uh,
1: uh, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, and then his mother picks up on the extension, right? and you need you, to you do that thing where you fix the garbage disposal. He's like, uh, uh, and then and the guy assumes that it's his girlfriend, not his mother.
0: Oh, I think he says something about, yeah, you can't let moms, you know. No, no, he says,
1: I know what it's like when my lady wants me to do something. You know, you better go do it. I thought he said old lady, so. No, no. Uh, Every... (laughs)
0: Every time mom gets on the phone, uh, it doesn't matter who she's with. They utterly are under her spell. Yeah, the best is when Russell gets on the phone because there's William and his mother saying, you need to come home. Where are you? You're doing drugs and blah, blah, blah. And Russell's nearby. and He picks up the phone. And he's going to be like, I'm all suave, Mr. Rockstar. I, I'm going to mess yeah, with yeah, her. Yeah,
1: yeah, yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's hilarious. And he, and he and everyone else, like the, the hotel clerk, they all say, your mother kind of freaked me out. <laughs> And he just is glaring at well, William. My, one of the great moments, and I, rem, I remember this is the one moment I remember from the trailer, and that is his mother, by the way, is a, a college professor, a yes, so, professor of psychology, and she's giving a class, <laughs> and suddenly she stops and goes, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't focus. Rock stars have kidnapped my son, <laughs> and a girl in the front row is writing that down. <laughs> I'm surprised she doesn't have love me
0: on her eyelids. Um <laughs> She's either the worst mom in the world or the worst mom in the world because she's either too crazy and too clutching or she lets her son go off with still water. Uh, it's like, uh, well, now, you be good. Oh, uh, okay. And it, actually, to be fair, all you have to do is talk to her. And it's like, oh, yes, I won't do... Uh, yes, I have just cleaned all my underwear and socks. I'm <laughs> fine. Um, she's so good in this. She's so Because
1: so I mean, the thing is, it's not necessarily if she's a good mother or a bad mother. She seems real. She seems... she's. To, to me, she's totally believable. She's, well, she's trying also, to do the right thing. She just isn't quite sure how
0: to go about it, like all of us. Well, she starts off with, you know, she's just don't eat meat, don't eat this, free range, blah, Well, they didn't have that. But they're, you know, all the stuff that the California hippies yeah. were, were stereotyped for, mm-hmm. that's her as a mother. And she also, you know, has this free spirit thing. Like, she does want her, her son to be inquisitive. She does want him to see the world. She just wants him to see it on her terms. Yeah, And when she realizes she can't, entirely control that because look what happened with the sister yeah then it's like she she, goes
1: the other direction
0: and you know good for us because otherwise there wouldn't be a movie but it's kind of like yeah i i do believe it because there were people who were that free spirit and i don't want to get in the way of rivers trip down blah 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 or or morning doves (laughs) discovery of i shouldn't have said river because that was a real thing yeah um interestingly and i read a little bit about this Uh, Apparently, there was the big rift between Cameron Crowe's mom and his sister. And they hadn't actually patched it up all that much until when the film was being made apparently there was they were both on set and they, was apparently his mother was on set and he said I don't want you to be talking yeah, with Mrs. McDermott about and apparently that didn't stop her from doing whatever yeah, she they, wanted he comes over and finds them they're having
1: lunch together
0: yeah and apparently they got on great but mm. the sister and the mom talked a little bit on set but it was icy so apparently mm. the, that big part was, was not true mm. but um, I, I've gone through my notes how about you yeah, nope. I'm pretty much uh, done with mine. Now we have to unveil the mystery. Did Max Mike like this movie or not? We're terrible about this. Yeah, but... we really are. The roundup.
1: But, uh, so, so you've heard about this for years. I've heard about this for years. Literally, I've heard about this for almost twenty years. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm really glad I saw it. I think it's really good. I it is kind of hard to watch because the ten, the tension in it gets to me. I really wonder, oh God, what is he going to do? Because I didn't know what the ending was. Right. And, and you expect him to drink, to have drugs and do
0: all those horrible
1: things. Yeah. Oh, is he going to do that? Is it going to destroy him? Except there was a kind of innocence about it, too, along with the debauchery. It's and, not quite as bad as a Richard, Richard
0: Linkladder film, yeah, where you yeah. sit there the entire film go, okay, who's going to fall off the moon tower? Who's going to get hit? Who's going to OD? And then it doesn't.
1: Yeah, nothing happens.
0: And it's still a good movie. Mm-hmm. But
1: anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I It gives a great feeling of what the people who love music and why. I mean, there's that great question that f- when he finally gets his interview at the very end of the film and he asks him, what do you love about music? And he says, well, first off, everything. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, Russell's quote. And it's, it, it's just a great idea of an outsider's view into the rock world or what it used to be. And the last vestiges of the the bands who would say unironically to each other, hey, man, it's not about the money. It's about making the music. Right. I I love Jason Lee, I thought, had the greatest line. I was sitting going, geez, man, that's your headline right there. He's saying, you know what my job is? My job is I look out into that crowd, and I see the one guy who is not getting off on this music, and I get him off. That is what I do.
0: And, you know, there was... uh what else max what else there's a lot of stuff i can talk about too i don't Uh, want to interrupt you because i keep doing that mm. Uh, like this (laughs) yes (laughs) Uh. what because i so much agree with you i really do you know and i and it's interesting because again this is a fake band so i don't know but Mm -hmm. i get the feeling that to make this music to be in this sort of thing you kind of have to be that crazy Mm. right like I don't agree with the debauchery and stuff it's not something I would do I don't agree with the use of people cuz there certainly is people are used in this yeah. and you could sit there and argue back and forth you know uh, oh willing participants or whatever but it's just you there's this whole i don't know what you would call it like this this debauched roman emperor, empire kind of behind the scenes stuff that goes on and i wonder if you can make that kind of music and not have that i don't know But you get the feeling that the people who do this stuff, whatever kind of creative person it
1: is, that they're all on some level kind of crazy. Yeah, you kind of have to be just to go through that, to spend your life on the road, to live out of hotel rooms. And the debauchery, you often find it's it's a release of the tension. Uh, Mm. They're under a tremendous amount of pressure. To, you know, you have to get up there every night. Doesn't matter how you're feeling. Doesn't matter if you're in a bad mood. Doesn't matter if you're tired or hungover. You have got to get out there when you're told to get out there, and play your heart out. Otherwise, even when you even
0: when you've been electrocuted, <laughs>
1: yeah, even when you've been like, yeah, that that actually is also based on a real episode where uh, I can't remember. I think it was the lead singer for Alice in Chains uh, got electrocuted by a live ungrounded mic. Oops. Yeah people can die from that and they have but yeah. uh yeah no i it's the implication that that's part of the world because that's what they need and it's also the the pressure that it's going to stop anytime yeah. you don't know when it's over and when it's over it's going to be over hard yeah and there were so many i mean again there were tons of musicians back in the 70s it's nothing like now where you know everybody and their uncle thinks they can be a band because they can put it up on YouTube. Well, I'm a band uh, now. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, get out! You are not. Oh, yeah. This is <laughs> me on the drums. Oh, no, you're lying. And, but uh, yeah, so I, I think, and I also, I like the other subtext, the idea of the the uh, necessary distance the journalist has to keep to their to their subject, and can you do that? Can you be that involved not with anymore. your subject and <laughs> St- and still be a journalist, and it's part of the whole Gonzo journalist uh, movement that Hunter Thompson and so many others did, where they would like he joined the Hell's Angels to write about them, almost got killed doing it. It's uh, I think the, the story is interesting, and I think the subtext and the questions it raises are really interesting. I think the performance is terrific. I think it's really fun to see all these people like who the back then you know Jimmy who, yeah, uh, Jay Baruchel, who the hell's he?
0: He wasn't in there.
1: Yes, he was. Jay Baruchel was. Um, Baruchel? Oh, no, Munoz, uh, Vic Munoz. He was. Uh, oh,
0: that's who it was. I kept looking at that yes. face going, that annoying kid. Yes. It's like, I know that annoying kid the who was kid. The kid who kept insisting on
1: everybody sign his shirt.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: That, that was Jay Baruchel. I, I think it's Baruchel. Whatever.
0: He's uh, uh, probably best known for the le- the voice of uh, Hiccup in How to
1: Train Your Dragon. He's doing it a ton of stuff. but yeah. And,
0: oh, boy, he was in that that wonderful Sorcerer's
1: Apprentice film with oh, Cage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, again, and Phil- and we have Philip Seymour Hoffman. We have Billy yeah. Cr- Crudup or Crudup, however you ever pronounce it. Yeah. We have Ed Francis McDormand. We have an amazing cast. And they are all used really well, and the music is great too.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, this is I, a
1: really good movie.
0: I'd never heard of this when the, I saw the movie posters. Like, oh, I remember the poster, and I actually really don't like the poster mm. because it's it's Penny and sunglasses, and it's uh-huh. like that's nice. That's not what the movie's about. It's, mm. I mean, she's certainly a major part, but you think the movie, and I think it actually does a disservice. Because you think the movie's going to be about her. Oh, it's a movie about, you know, I don't know, a movie star, or it's about a a model or something. And the movie poster, basically, it looks like, it almost looks like it's a quote-unquote chick flick. And I wouldn't have paid it, you know, half a mind.
1: I gotta disagree with you. I think it's actually a really good one, because Penny represents the dream of rock and roll she believes that it, she believes it's more than it is she but the poster doesn't tell news. you anything
0: about that yeah. all
1: this is almost famous and it's a picture of her
0: so you think oh here's this woman who is almost famous
1: yeah but once you've seen the movie the poster
0: makes more sense well but that's the thing the, the poster is supposed to get you to see the movie And if it's basically making you think the movies about something else, then it's not a successful poster. And to me, I'm sure I'd seen that poster before and glossed right past it because it looked like the subject matter wasn't something I was interested in. But that being said, like you, I'm glad I saw it. I think this might be the first film that neither of us has seen in the entire podcast. Um, It was a lot of fun. I want to think that there's some truth in here Mm -hmm. and there probably are bits and pieces. Um, it's fine that the, the character doesn't actually exist. It's fine that there wasn't a real band called Stillwater out of Troy, Michigan, where I work. Um, which is probably saying too much, but there you go. Um, and the other little things in there, there's probably smatterings of stuff that happened or influenced things. And that's that's going to have to be good enough because even characters like Russell. Russell is, you know, he's he's kind of a dirtbag. But he's kind of but, not. But you like him. Yeah. You know, you still like him and there's reasons to like him, you know. Yeah, the way he treats the woman around him is pretty lousy. And that's certainly reasons to, to, to turn your back on him. But there's other parts of him that are actually pretty cool. And, you know, you kind of hope maybe there is some sort of redemption for him down the road. And like Max said, their touring could be done next week. You know, mm-hmm. it could be done in two months. Yep. And that's could and right, that it's over. It'll be
1: over. Yeah.
0: And, and who know? And of course, the way that they played this Stillwater, we're guessing went on to bigger and better things and of course everyone's heard of Stillwater but it could just as easily have been uh, Dexie's Midnight Runners right oh, <laughs> where come literally on. their, come their on, first I video leave. comes out and they're already broken up <laughs> yep yep
1: so. yeah, I, I do have to say you know one of the things this movie was a critical darling you know this was not it was it won the Oscar that year for best writing for, for mm-hmm. uh, screenplay written for screen Kate Hudson and Frances McDormand were both nominated for Oscars yeah and uh, but the movie did not do well it was a 60 million dollar budget made about 14 million Oh wow! Yeah,
0: that's a shame. Because uh, I would highly recommend it, especially yeah. if you have any interest. If you know music is an important thing to you, if you have even an interest in that time period, I, w- I would say that it is seventies without hitting you over the head. Mm-hmm. Um, quite honestly, the fashions could have been a
1: lot worse. <laughs> um, True.
0: Although it's seventy three, we're still doing that sort of country thing uh, yeah. with fringe. Yeah, There's we, we, we fringe. hadn't. Inv-
1: they hadn't hit bell bottoms yet. They hadn't hit the leisure suits.
0: Yeah. <laughs> lime green leisure Ah, Um, (laughs) lapels like
1: hang gliders yeah and
0: and even just the performances I mean you know Max has said it and I'll say it again Philip Seymour Hoffman he's on screen I'm gonna guess he's probably got 10 minutes maybe yeah and he's he's worth it Uh, Frances McDermott who I just love anyway my two favorite performances of hers are Fargo and this she's Mm. just so good she is terrific Um, you know, and Kate Hudson, if you like Kate Hudson, Zoe, Zoe, is it Zoe or Zoe? Zoe. It's Zoe, Zoe actually. It's Zoe spelled Zoe,
1: but it's pronounced Zoe. Yeah,
0: moon unit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're good. It's it's a good story. It's fun. Uh, it's well-paced. It's about two hours. It doesn't feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're going to both recommend that this film, and of course, you know, I've already given away what we'll walk to next week, because I looked into Cameron Crowe, and it's like, wait, he did Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Yeah. So,
1: That somehow, one I have seen, yep.
0: Yeah, most people have. And it's one of those films like, how have you not seen this? Is, it actually should have been in our first series, which was I can't believe you haven't seen that. Mm-mm. But sure enough, I have not seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I've seen one scene, the scene where the pizza shows up in class. That is the ah. only thing I know about that film. And I know that that character played by Sean Penn's name is Spicoli.
1: Yep. And I still into argue lo- that is Sean Penn's greatest role. <laughs> yeah, You might be true there.
0: Um, I've also looked in to find out that there's actually a lot of actors in this film oh, that yeah. were nobody until oh this God. film was made. And, you know, I mean, you know this is a darling film of a lot of 80s fans. Like, you know, this is one of those films like Breakfast Club and stuff that you're kind of required to see. How I have not seen it, I don't know.
1: I'll be interested to see how it holds up. I've seen it a number of times, but not for a long time.
0: Yeah. So next week it's yep. fast times at Ridgemont Time. Yep. At time, time. <laughs> times fast pizza at fast fast times. And at Mike now, Rig- will
1: be apologizing <laughs> for this closing, <laughs> as I again apologize for the opening.
0: Until next week. This is Mike saying,
1: "I'm sorry," and this is Max saying again.
0: Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. I've apologized far too much. Now it's your turn.